Today is Saturday, February 3rd, 2018. This is message three of a conference in Spokane, Washington with Ricky Acosta. The emphasis of this message will be for the parents. The title of the message will be Raising Up the Next Generation for the Church Life, The Person, Living, and Responsibility of the Parents. So tonight, as you can see by the outline, we focus our fellowship on the parents. Um, very often, very often, we we talk this way. Uh, maybe, maybe in the context of the Lord's coming and of turning the age, and uh, you know, from the age of the church to the age of the kingdom. And we might say that the future of the church depends on the children or the young people. And uh, I think uh, some of the saints we talked we talked earlier today, some of the saints are very familiar with this publication that we have uh, entitled um, "Raising Up the Next Generation for the Church Life." And and in there. Uh, there are some, actually, th- this, this outline is chapter six. The outline in chapter six from, from, from that book. And, um, and in there, there's a, I think it's chapter four. It's, it's, gives you the burden of the work with the children and the young people, kind of an overall view. And, and it ma- makes this kind of point. We have to invest so much on the children. Why? Because the children, are the future. Children are the future. But I found this quotation by Watchman Nee. And he says, he says this, the future of the church depends on the parents. Yeah. And this is really so. It depends, because the future depends on the children, actually the future depends on the parents. Because how the, how the children turn out is greatly affected by our faithfulness, our pattern, what we do and what we don't do. So, so this is, this is really, uh, quite important that all of us as parents, and I know there are some that are not parents yet, a sister, a sister asked me this this morning, or, or I asked her, are you coming tonight? She says, I'm not a parent. So I said, aren't you a big sister? And she said, I am. I said, then you should, you should be here. Because you'll see, big sisters, big sisters are great. Yeah, big sisters play a key role. Big sisters play a key role. Uh, actually, I hope tonight you'll see, I hope tonight you'll see that... Um, uh, everybody in the church plays a key role when it comes to the raising uh, of the children. Um, how about we start into this uh, outline? Um, again, the title you read before, The Person, Living, and Responsibility of the Parents. But I would like to start this fellowship uh, by covering point number three, not point number one. We'll come back. Um, and actually, saints, my my goal is not to cover this outline. You could you could read this outline. This is not a training meeting. 
We're just having fellowship here. Uh, my burden is, what I, what I want to do is discharge a burden. And I'm using the outline, and I'll use as much as helps me discharge the burden. Uh, but if I don't finish it, please don't be bothered. You could just go read it. Actually, you have the book. You could read the book. So, anyway, I just want to make that clear ahead of time. So we'll be jumping around a little bit. Not too much. Not too much. But I think we'll cover 3, 4, and they'll go back to 1, 2, and then what's, what's left? Yeah, 5, 6. Um, point number 3. Could we, let's read that together. Point 3. You know, in in the Bible, there 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 is never mention of children's work. There is never mention of young people's work, nor of campus work. Those that's not the concept in, in the Bible. There's just parents, parents and children, and very often we focus and and rightly so. Uh, again, when we talk about those who turn the age who turn the age. I'm not sure how many groups of people there are on this earth that talk about turning the age, but this is like a frequent topic among us. We specialize in turning the age. That's the goal. That's our goal. That's our goal. That's the commission of the Lord's recovery. We want to actually, I, I know it, it sounds like big talk, but actually what we want to do is accomplish God's economy on the earth, Please him in all things. And that comes by building the body, which, which brings in the building of the bride. Bring the bride. And, and that that will set in motion the Lord's coming and, and we will bring in the kingdom age. That's actually what we're doing here. We're not here talking about children. We're here talking about turning the age. But we expect that these children, our children, and now I can say our grandchildren, will be those who actually cooperate with God to turn this age. That's, a, that's what we are absolutely expecting. That it will not go beyond them. We, we believe we are poised and, and, and at this time in history and in church history to actually do this. So this is not a light thing. We're not just here talking, you know, uh, forgive me to say this way, but we're, we're not here with focus on the family. That's not our burden. Our burden is God's economy. Amen. God's economy. But God's economy is accomplished by people. And the unit of people is the family. So we have to take care of the family in a proper way. But it's for God's economy. Uh, sorry, sorry. Our goal is not just that you would have a blessed family life. That's too low. Now, we want you to have a blessed family life. And you will have a blessed family life if you take care of God's economy. That's his promise. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All the things will be, will be added. Okay. But, <clears throat> again, in the Bible, there's actually not that much um, specific word about raising children outside of 
Proverbs. Proverbs does have, does have, but we're not going to cover those points, but you can find in Proverbs some do's and don'ts, especially some do's, yeah, which today the age say, the age says don't, but the Bible says do, yeah. And so, I'm not going to get into that, but, but but there is, there are, there is specific instruction about discipline in, in the book of Proverbs. But outside of Proverbs, hardly anything. There are some verses in Ephesians. We'll touch upon them very lightly. Verses in Colossians. And, and those, as it says here, are not directed toward the children as much as to the parents. Yeah. But throughout the Bible, from the first page nearly to the last, lots of examples. Because every age turner. And we've had, we've had conferences on these with, with like the young people. We talk about, um, we talk about Noah. We talk about Moses. We talk about David, or before him, Samuel, David, Daniel, and then even the disciples, Timothy, Paul. But do you realize that every single one of these men was once a child in a family. And we don't usually think in those terms. That each of these age turners, they didn't, they didn't, they, they were not just age turners. They were produced. And most of them, they were produced in a certain kind of family. Certain kind of family. So there are some examples here. We'll mention a few. I'll focus probably just on three or three or four. First, we have the first family, Adam and Eve. They were saved. This is, I'm reading point A now. And they passed on the word of salvation to the following generation. We also must share these things with our own children, telling them the sad story of man's fall and proclaiming to them the good news of God's salvation. And in that first generation, actually, you see a very, very important point with the first and second generation. And that is that you may not gain all your children. You may not gain all your children. In spite of everything that we're saying, in spite of everything that we're saying, you cannot determine the spiritual destiny of your child. That's from the second generation, you can, you can see that. Now you need to do your best we all need to do our best. And it should not be because of us. It can't be that they are not gained by God because of us. We have to bear our responsibility. We have to bear our responsibility. That's actually, there's some points here at the end very clear about this. But each one must make their own choice. But we have to set them up to make the proper choice. But if they don't, if they choose not, you can't, you can't live and die with that. You have to allow them the, the choice. We'll talk a little more about that later on. B, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Since Abel had such faith, exercised this faith, and offered a sacrifice to God in accordance with this faith, he must have heard the preaching of the glad tidings of his parents. I think this is really logical, that, that Abel followed his parents to offer, just like what God did. It's implied. 
what God did because he clothed Adam and Eve with skins of animals. There must have been kind of sacrifice there that impressed Adam and Eve. They must have told Abel. And again, as we go through these, I think you may agree with me, we take a lot for granted when we read the Bible and we don't realize this was a family. This was a family that had 24 hours in their day that probably had meals together and talks. And those first generations, they passed on things with talks. The next one on the list here is Noah. Let's read this one together. See. Noah. Let's let's go into the life of Noah for a little bit. Consider Noah. <clears throat> Noah's uh, father was Lamech. Lamech. Noah's grandfather. Do you know Noah's grandfather? Huh? Methuselah. You know Methuselah, right? What's the special thing about Methuselah? It's a trivia question. Right? Longest, he's the one who lived the longest in the Bible. How long? 969. 969. 969 years. Methuselah's father was? Was? Come on, you're, you're some of your children's meeting teachers. Yes, Enoch, of course. Enoch. And Enoch, what was special about him? He walked with God and? He was not. The first person raptured in the Bible. He walked with God and he was not. How long did he walk with God? 300 years. It's very interesting. It says that Noah, I mean, sorry, Enoch was 65 years old, and he bore sons and daughters. He bore, actually, Methuselah. After giving birth to Methuselah, then it says he walked with God. Maybe the joys of parenthood caused him to... Oh, Lord... You know, when, when little Methuselah is crying for an hour from 2 to 3 a.m., the only thing you can do is, Oh, Jehovah. Of course, we don't know. That's pure speculation. But I believe with a sanctified imagination. <laughs> so, Enoch walked with God. Methuselah saw that. Methuselah saw that. Saw, Methuselah saw his dad walk with God. I don't know what he called him. Probably, what, 
Abba. Abba. He saw his Abba walk with God for 300 years. Don't you think that made an impression? On first this young boy who received this name. He received this name. It's just a name to us. But the name has a meaning. And you know this meaning, right? Imagine to bear a name like this. Mark. What does the name even mean? Mark. A mark? What does it mean? But Methuselah. Oh, that's a name. That's a name. What does it mean? When he dies, it will occur. Or it will happen. What will happen? That's not part of the name. It. When he dies, it will happen. So Enoch named his son in a prophetic way. He was inspired by the Lord. Because he was walking with God. He was inspired. Son, when you die, it will happen. And, and later we find out what it is. What's, what's it? It is Noah's, the flood at Noah's time. But no one had any way to know that. So, Noah grows up. I'm sorry, not Noah. Methuselah grows up. He has Lamech. Lamech has Noah. And it says, Noah, what? Walked with God. Why did Noah walk with God? Don't you think there was some influence from Enoch? But why? Through Grandpa Methuselah. Are you with me? Are you getting a picture? Methuselah is not just a person in the Bible with the longest life. Methuselah was Grandpa. And then, God appears to his grandson and gives him a new commission and tells him at this age, 120 years, and something will occur there and build, build. Now, Noah, he called on the name of the Lord. Where did that come from? Not just Enosh. Great, 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 great grandpa. Not just a person in history, but a person in my family. A person in Noah's family, and this was passed on. Passed on. Probably Enoch. Probably Methuselah. Noah, let me tell you, my father... Your great-grandpa, he was a special man. He walked with God. Noah, don't walk according to this age. Walk with God. (coughs) Noah, we are in a very special family. Don't you think he talked like this? If I were he, I would talk like this. Our heritage. Our heritage. Grandpa... Great, 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 however you say, grandpa. 
Noah offered sacrifices. So actually what Adam and Abel did, that was passed down. But God came to him with a special commission, something new. I don't know if you know the timeline. Uh, Noah had children, three boys, three boys. Do you know when those three boys were born, when the first one was born? You know, well, let me, let me ask you this. Do you know how old Noah was when the flood came? Yeah, he was 600. Noah was 600 years old at the time of the flood. And also, very interesting, if you trace Methuselah, this is the 969th year of Methuselah's life. So Methuselah died that year. If not, there, how many were in the ark? Eight in the ark. There would have been nine. And the number for resurrection would be nine, not eight. Yeah. But the number for resurrection is eight. Okay. But because Methuselah died that year. Okay. Do you know when Noah received the vision, the commission from God? Well, it's easy because it talks about 120 years, that the, the flood will come in 120 years. So, so Noah was 480. Now, do you know when Noah's children were born? The first one. Actually, I know you don't know, so I'm going to just... Uh, you don't, do you know? No. Okay. Yeah. 500. It was 500. So Noah was building when his children were born. So you could say this way. Those three boys were born into the ark life. Just like, just like many of you and now all of your children are born into the church life. They're born, daddy's building. They don't understand what daddy's building. They don't know what daddy's doing. They just know daddy does this thing and everybody thinks he's crazy. <laughs> and he's doing something which when we're with the family... Oh, it's the most important thing. But when I go with my friends, my daddy says that your daddy's crazy. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. I'm, I'm just about certain things like this occurred. But they were born into this life. And daddy is building this thing. And don't you think when they were little, they want to be around dad? And uh, Shem, Shem, give me that hammer. Here, Daddy. Shem, be careful. Be careful there on that lumber. Don't you think there was this kind of scenario? And then in the background, great-grandpa Methuselah. Boys, boys, come. I want to tell you a story about, about your, your great-great-grandpa, Enoch. He was, he was a very special man. He walked with God. Don't you think he would say, Japheth, follow your daddy. Yeah. 
What he's doing is for Jehovah. Don't worry about your friends. Don't worry about your friends. Actually, we're making room for your friends. We're making room for your friends. Don't you think there was this kind of talk of passing on the heritage? Because there's no children's meeting to go to so that others could teach them. It had to be in the family. It had to be in the family. I am absolutely intrigued by the three daughters-in-law. You know, Noah's eight entered into the ark. Noah, Mrs. Noah, who probably played a great role. She probably, you know, we don't know her name, but we have to give that woman credit. Probably, when the boys came home, maybe crying. Mommy, mommy, my friend said that daddy's crazy. Oh, no, come here, come here. Don't you think there was a consoling? says, oh, Ham, no, it's okay. It's okay. When you're for God, not everyone's for God. Not everyone's for God. But we follow Daddy. And we follow Grandpa. And we follow Great Grandpa. And we follow because we're in a very special family. So then one day, I just don't know what age. I don't know what ages they were. But one day, each of the three boys, they fell in love with a girl. Can you imagine that girl going home? Mommy. <laughs> Mommy, I found a boy. She goes, oh, oh, who is it? Well, you know that man who's building that boat? No, no, anyone but those three boys. Not one of those three boys. Don't you think this occurred? Did you ever think? Did you ever get into? That must have occurred. But those three girls stood with Noah. They followed their father-in-law. And on the day the Lord shut the door, their families were outside. No, no, we believe now. We believe now. It's too late. But they were in the ark, which in type is they were in Christ. So they were saved. And their families went through the judgment outside. Those three girls stood with this family. And it's very interesting in, in our history, both Brother Nee, Watchman Nee, and Brother Lee, Witness Lee, they both encouraged this way. Our increase in the church should be half from outside and half from inside. That is, we should preach the gospel and people should come into the church. But then we raise our own children to be believers. And in Noah's family, it was like this. They raised up three, they gained three. Maybe that's where the brothers got this kind of a picture. But our situation in the churches, actually in all of Christianity, is we gain three, we lose five. Sometimes. 
our, our front door is open to the world as we preach the gospel. And every church, we have new ones coming. But our problem has been, great problem, is that we don't keep our own children. Many of our own children go away after some time. So our heart very much is to change this trend. Change this trend. And we're praying for this. We, we want there to be no back door. No back door in our church life. Actually, make, make the door a wall. Make the back door a wall. Nobody goes out. Everybody, like, Jem, like, like Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Everybody comes on board with Dad. Isn't that what you want for your children? You have the possibility. I know there are older ones among us that hasn't been, that has not been the case. I understand that. I, we surely don't want this word to be used by the enemy for discouragement. <clears throat> but actually, we never give up hope on anybody. Because we trust the Lord's word. Raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will turn to that way. We, we receive that promise. And in our experience, we are seeing over these years, they're coming home. They're coming home. Some that have been gone for eight years. After high school, they left us. They're coming home. We've, I could give you stories. Where not only they came home, now they're elders. In, with beautiful families in different places in the churches. District, leading brothers, district brothers. Because they came home. Not without damage, but they got healed. Of course, our hope is that none would have to go through that. But anyway, the Lord knows. We'll come back to that point also at the very end. But I hope from this story of Noah, you could see a little something or a few things. Everything depends on the family. Everything depends on our passing on the heritage, on the relationships that we build with them, and that and that everything would become theirs. It becomes their church life, their Christian life. This is not by exhortation. This is not by, you have to go to the meeting. That's not, that's not what, how that works. There was something in this family that is a great inspiration. Whether it's Grandpa Methuselah, whether it's, it's Mrs. Noah, Mom, behind the scenes, not, not even named once. But I'm sure she had this role of preserving this family. So different than Lot's wife. You know, we have nev- negative examples too in the Bible. That woman did not do her job. That woman did not preserve that family. But Noah's wife, different story. She must have labored on those boys to ward off, to ward off the attacks from outside. Don't you believe there were attacks from outside? Yet, not only gained, kept her own children, gained three others. I, I think, actually, a lot has to do with Noah's wife. So, in our families, in our families, everyone plays a role. 
Look at, I think Timothy is mentioned uh, in Roman 4. We don't have to read it, but Tim, we, we said a little bit about him yesterday. Timothy. In the book of Acts, Paul is brought into function through the help of Barnabas after his marvelous salvation. And then they take young Mark, John Mark, on a journey. But he chickens out Mark. So, and, and also that's Barnabas' nephew. Barnabas' nephew. But very interesting, very interesting. These are, these are the first generation, first century young adults. Mark and Timothy. You know, the first time we see Mark, his name is mentioned, is Acts 12. Do you know, you know the story? Acts 12. It's 12.12, actually. Peter's in prison. Peter's in prison. And that's the time that he's sleeping there, and the angel comes and, you know, wakes him up. And then, oh, the chains go off, and then he's going, and he thinks he's in a trance. And then the door, the door of the prison opens up and he comes outside and then he realizes it's not a dream, it's not a trance, it's real, I'm free. Oh, and he says, what day is it? Tuesday. Oh, it's Tuesday, prayer meeting. I don't know when you have your prayer meeting. Tuesday, yeah. So I think, must have been, must have been, must have been a Tuesday. And so he, he remembers, prayer meeting. Mary's, Mary's, prayer meeting at Mary's house. So he goes to Mary's house. But it doesn't say Mary's house. It says Mar- the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. Why does the Bible include such a detail? Does it change the story? Does it add anything to the story? Or does it, would it detract anything from the story that you don't know that this is where Mark's house? But the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write Acts and include this detail. It's very interesting. So, he goes to Mary's house, knocks on the door, and you, you know the story, right? Little Rhoda, the servant girl, she comes. Who is it? Peter. <gasps> Peter! Oh, and she runs in. It's Peter! What do you think they were praying for in there? Don't you believe they were praying for Peter that night? I told some of the saints this afternoon, you pray prayers. You don't expect them to be answered. They were praying and then the Lord answers. Peter's at the door. They don't believe it. Why do you pray if you don't believe? Believe it. Believe the Lord can answer. So they're praying, Lord, release Peter. They said, no, it can't be. It can't be. We, ha- we have to get out of that mentality. Said, Lord, release Peter. Oh, there's Peter. That's, that's, how, that's how we should expect. So they say, Rhoda, no, it can't be Peter. He's in prison. We're praying for him. And then, and then, and eventually, then they, they find out, Peter. They say, oh, it has to be his angel. It's probably his angel. That's a whole other story. Like, whoa, that actually, anyway, let's not get into that, but that's pretty cool. So he go, they go, and it's, okay. But this is the house where John Mark grew up. John Mark. Then we find out, oh, Mary has a brother, Barnabas. These were families. And then Barnabas is instrumental in bringing Paul into function, then brings his nephew. 
And then they go, and then Mark doesn't do so well, doesn't pass the test. But in Paul's final chapter, the final chapter that is penned by Paul or, or dictated by Paul is 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4. And there he tells Timothy, Timothy, come quickly. Bring the parchments. Bring Mark. Wow. Mark got recovered. Mark got recovered. And you know what? Then doesn't matter the past. The two of them. The two of them are there. You know, Timothy is like this. Timothy is like this. Mark is like this. But they both end up right here. It's not how you start. It's how you end. So, have a good ending. Always have a good ending. But my point is this. These two, Timothy and Mark, were produced in families. They didn't just drop from the sky. Mark had a mother who was consecrated and opened her home for the prayer meeting. Is it not inconvenient to open your home for the prayer meeting sometimes? But she was dedicated for service in the church life. She's one of the six Marys. You know we have a publication called Six Marys. She's one of the six Marys in the New Testament. Timothy, oh, we not only know his mother... We know his grandmother. What a legacy. And when Paul meets Timothy, right after Mark goes away, then Paul and Barnabas, you know, they want to go on another journey. And then Paul, Barnabas wants to bring Mark again. Paul says, no, they have a contention. And then Barnabas takes Mark, goes off, and then that's Acts 15. Acts 16, Paul meets Timothy. By the time Paul meets Timothy, Timothy is already a very good young brother in the church. With the testimony of elders from two churches saying, this is a good young brother. Oh, imagine having two churches say, you're a good young brother. That means something, that the brother's in two places. And so then he says, can we take him in the ministry? Very, really something. But that was not Paul's work. That was Lois and Eunice, a mother and a grandmother. Do you realize that the mother and the grandmother really were Paul's co-workers? They really were co-workers to produce Paul's closest co-worker. So moms and grandmas, you mean something. You have a role in all this. Let's come back to Moses, I think, uh, in point D. That's the next point. Let's read that, D. In the preparation... I think you know this story, so I don't think we have to read. But the verses are, print, are there. Exodus 2. Actually, from Exodus 1, what a story. Exodus 1. You know, the whole Old Testament is a picture book. And especially the book of Exodus shows us, from beginning to end, our story. 
We start where? We start as slaves in Egypt. We're in the world. We're slaves of sin, is what John says. And so Exodus begins, God's people are enslaved in Egypt. And how does it end? Glory filling the house. And that is our destiny. So Exodus really is our biography. So everything there, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, everything there is for us today. 1 Corinthians 10.6 says all the things that happened to Israel are written for our admonition. As examples, first, as an exa- examples and are written for our admonition to whom the end of the ages has come. To whom the ends of the ages have come. 1 Corinthians 10.6 has these two words, example and admonition. It's two very different things. I could, I could give you an example. This is like a human being, God in the... This is an example. An admonition is... It's a different feeling. So the things in the Old Testament are example and admonition, warning. And many Christians apply selectively some of the things in the Old Testament. Like the Passover lamb. Like the crossing of the Red Sea. Because actually, in 1 Corinthians 10, it, it mentions these things. Like the manna, because Jesus said, I, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. But verse 6 and verse, sorry, verse 11, that was what I was quoting before was 11, and verse 6, both say that everything that happened to them, everything that occurred, is for our example. So that, in, that being enslaved is an example to us. We have to realize we were enslaved. Then what you see is that the Pharaoh, he is threatened by the increase of Israel. He's threatened by the increase. So he tells his people, if an enemy comes, and the Israelites side with our enemies, will be defeated, so we have to put them down. Because at the end of Genesis chapter 50, how many are, are the children of Israel? Seventy souls. Turn the page to Exodus 1. You know how many are the children of Israel? About two million. Four hundred years pass in that turning of the page from Exodus to Genesis. They became two million people. Pharaoh's threatened. So he says, we have to do something. So there's a two-pronged attack. What is it? Older generation, younger generation. Older generation what? Make them sweat. Make them work. Tire them out so that they don't have any energy left. And isn't that, in principle, what the enemy does? All our work, all our labor. Sometimes, don't you have this feeling? Coming home, I don't know if I'll make it to the meeting tonight. Just this thought. Just this thought fulfills Exodus 1. The Pharaoh was there. 
The Pharaoh, the Pharaoh, Satan, it worked today. It worked today on this one. You have second thoughts. Oh, should I go? Oh, really wiped out. Need a little break. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of your health. But I'm saying, be admonished. Be careful. And, and many of us have experienced, many of us have experienced, you come to the meeting tired, you leave energized. Haven't you experienced that? Because he gives life to your mortal body. In Romans 8, we experience that. When you touch the spirit, you just get life. If you stay home, you'll be more tired. And watching that television, you'll probably be more dead too. So, but anyway, sorry. Come to the meeting. Especially, come to the prayer meeting. Younger generation. Stronger. More evil. What is that? The babies are born. If it's a boy, kill it. How evil that is. Can you imagine a human being devising such a plan? And so he he knows if you kill all the new boys, then in one generation, no more Israel. No more pure Israel. Because the girls will grow up, the girls can live, but when they grow up, who are they going to marry? They marry Egyptians. So you have mixed situation. So the boys are dead and the girls are mingled with the world. And isn't that, in principle, what the Christian, the church has experienced? In many of our, among many of our second generation, boys have no heart because the world has come in to kill their spiritual life. And the girls mingle with the world. And in my experience, from what I've observed, many of our daughters, they go to the world to find a match more than the boys do. And once that's done, very difficult. Of course, there are always exceptions and we never give up hope. We always pray. The Lord has gained some that way. Well, it's wonderful. But my point is, do you see Satan's plot? In principle, it's the same even till today. Even till today. But who saves the day? Not Moses. Moses is not here yet. Moses is in chapter 2. Who saves the day? Two midwives. Two sisters. Shifra, do you know these names? And Puah. We don't name our daughters Shifra and Pua. We name them. We name them Rachel and Sarah. But Shifra and Pua, oh, they they really are Israel's first saviors. Sisters, I think I think if you were here this morning and heard my testimony. I think that those two sisters, one that came to my mother's door that day in 1954, she was a Shifra to my family. And her companion was a Pua, taking care of those little children that eventually, that's why I'm here. Oh, sisters, you can be that. You can save a generation of young people. So then the Pharaoh is defeated by these two sisters, so he changes his tactic. What does it say? Okay, okay, don't kill them. 
throw them in the river. So then you have chapter 2. And so, so Moses is born. And, and, uh, please, please open to Hebrews 11, 23. Hebrews 11, 23. Look at this verse. Yeah, let's read 23 and 24. By faith, By faith, Moses, by faith, Moses, these are the witnesses of faith. But do you realize verse 23 is very different than 24? Whose faith is it in verse 23? It's his parents. It's not Moses. By faith, Moses was hidden for three months by his parents. And actually, I'm so glad it says parents. With an S. Because when you read in Exodus 2, Daddy is not around. He's not mentioned. But when you read in Exodus 2, who's there? Mommy and big sister. I told you big sisters are great. <laughs> who's Mommy? Do you know her name? Jochebed. Let's say that together. Jochebed. And big sister, you know her name. That's Miriam. Yeah. Do you know, do you know Moses' daddy's name? Your children's meeting teachers. You should know this. Amram. Amram. That appears later. So, in Exodus two, the parents they coordinate with the big sister. So, well, first of all, let me say here. They hid the baby for three months. That takes faith. That's like a miracle. How do you hide a baby for three months? Babies cry. But they hid the baby. I don't know how they did that. They must have been on constant watch. The whole family. Babies crying. Anyway, three months. They put them in a little ark. Send them down the river. And then Miriam, probably through the weeds, through the reeds. And then, oh, who finds him? Who finds him? Another woman. So many women. Pharaoh's daughter. What a coincidence. Pharaoh's daughter. And then she, oh, she knows what's going on. He's a Hebrew boy. I get what's going on here. But he's so fair. I'm going to raise him. I'm going to take him. And then, oh, a little girl. Ma'am, would you like me to find a Hebrew woman maybe to nurse him for you? That's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, please pay this little girl something. And you do that. So little girl, mommy. And then he's raised by his mommy. 
You see how he was the, the savior of Israel needed saving. So he was really saved by Shifra, Pua, Jochebed, Amram, and Miriam. Five. Coordinating together. So, mommy, daddy, and all the other sisters, plus big sister. Everybody's important to protect and raise our next generation. That's the example we see. That's the pattern in the Bible. By faith, everything by faith. I, I, I don't know about you, but these examples, they just inspire me. There, there's not instruction, but there's inspiration. And we have to pray, Lord, make us such to preserve all of our children. Okay, let's, let's come, let's come back to Roman 1. Let's read. I'd like to read pretty much straight through Roman 1 and 2, and then we'll make some comments in Roman 2b. Okay, so let's read Roman 1 altogether. <clears throat> God pays more attention How about sisters A, brothers B, sisters 1, brothers 2? Sisters, please. Saints, our burden is not to give um, a list of things to do, how to raise the children. We admit we don't have all the answers. We have experiences based on our own families, observations. So we know some principles. But it doesn't guarantee we share the principles with you that it'll work the same way. Because all our children are different. So we really have to be before the Lord for each child. Yes, there are things we can learn. There are some principles. I will mention a few things in a a couple moments. But it's not that you take the notes and then you go and then guarantee. It's not that way. What is most important is the person that we are. As a father and a mother as a grandfather, a grandmother, as an older sibling, especially the pattern that we set before them. And here are two words in this last point that are very important. Genuineness and consistency. Genuineness and consistency. We cannot deceive ourselves that, that we can hide what we are 
from our children. The children, and you don't know, you don't know at what age is their, does their perception awaken. <clears throat> you know, we could, we could be at the dinner table with your family or with the brothers and your little baby's there. And you can talk some confidential things in front of a baby when they're one month old, when they're three months old, when they're seven months old. But when exactly do they understand? Are you going to be careful enough to pick that up, to know? Oh, oh wait, sorry. It's She's a year, three months, and five days. Okay, tomorrow... Her perception awakes. I can't talk these things anymore. No, you, you don't know that. So it's best, don't be in the habit of doing that. Just don't be in the habit of speaking about the saints in front of the children. Just like, like don't do that. Always behind closed doors. And, and brothers, when we're talking something confidential, don't assume the children don't hear. The children don't know. And we need, we need consistency in who we are. In who we are. And we can't tell the children, love the Lord, then we come late to the meeting. That's what I mean by inconsistency. Eventually they figure out everything. They figure out that our words are not worth that much. And we have to be very careful. Of course, just in the church life generally, especially with all the young people. Young people watch all, the, all these all, all, all these things. Let, let's continue. Let's read Romans 2 altogether. We need to see... Let's practice again. Sisters, brothers, sisters, brothers, all the way down through B2. Sisters, please. Brothers, Sisters.
basically, we need to apply what we know, what we've heard at home. That's, that's really the point. In front of our kids. Using last night's language from Matthew chapter 7, that's the wind, the rain, and the floods. The tests will come to let us know what kind of foundation we have. And we have to admit, there's a lot of sand. We crumble at home more than anywhere else. And we have a certain persona. We don't, we, we don't want to be this way. But when I meet you brothers, amen. Praise the Lord. Then you go home. My dinner's cold. It just changes. Where's this? I never would talk to the brothers that way. But we... we can I use that? Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm on the phone. Talking to Brother Scott. Hey, man, brother. Praise the Lord. Yeah, amen. And then the little child comes. Daddy, 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 daddy. And you're like... Can't you see? Can't you see? I'm on the phone. And that face? Only two people have the privilege of seeing that face. Mommy and me. Little me. Don't you think the kids figure that out? And then, honey, dear, whatever you call each other. Your son, your son, your son. <laughs> and then she comes in, and what do you do? But that face, we never see that face in the meeting hall. That means what? No God man living. And what occurs here? Mm, big question. Big question. Thank you. So we, we, this is just encouraging us. Be a God man at home. Be a God man at home. So many times I remember I, I, was, I was there as a teenager and then into my adulthood listening to Brother Lee's messages for 25 years before he departed. I remember so many times he, would, he, he tried to apply the ministry, to help us. And he would say, just five seconds. Call and take the grace. Just five seconds. So that the reaction would not be the natural reaction. You know, if we would just practice that five seconds here and there at home, I think our family life would have at least a little improvement. At least a little improvement. Oh, saints, you know, later on at the end, it talks about we, we're always sowing seeds. This is from Galatians 6. It says, God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will reap. You know, this reaction with this face is a sowing of a seed. It may not be reaped today or tomorrow. It might be reaped 20 years when this little guy reacts to his wife. 
And nobody will realize, he got that from me. We're sowing seeds. Especially we sow seeds by our talk. Here it says we have to be careful in every detail. For instance, when we talk to our spouse, talk according to the Spirit, we need to be warned, whatever we say, whatever we do, whatever we express. Now this is, because we're in the church life community, we're family. But could this not happen? Has this not happened? You get into your car, you're going home after the Lord's Day. And your dear wife was serving with the children. How was the meeting? You know, this is very common for us to... How was the meeting? And you would say, Oh, it was fine. But <clears throat> Willie shared... Willie... With a little... You know, you know, Willie... And, and little Susie's in the back. And she checks with Tommy. Who's Willie? Goes, I don't know, but I don't think Daddy likes him. You don't think this could occur? And then Mommy says, Oh, Willie. Again? And there. Then one day, these little children, seven and eight years old, they become 12 and 13. And they go to Whidbey Island. And there's a conference. And who gives the first message? Who's that? That's Brother Willie. Oh, the sister will look for her brother. <laughs> and what will happen in that meeting? Closed heart. A seed will blossom five years later. Don't you think that could happen? Don't you think maybe that has happened? Because of our talk. Oh, dear saints, please be careful of speaking in anything less than an excellent way about the saints. You may have your feeling. You may have to have some fellowship. Please. Do it behind the closed doors. And make sure the doors are soundproof. Actually, you could hear lots of things through those closed doors. So be careful. Little seeds. Little seeds. And it's not just our talk, it's our attitude. Sometimes we mention some of the... Oh, well, any announcements? Yes, yes, we're having a, we're having a conference next week. Another conference? <laughs> this is with the sisters now. Now I'm picking on the sisters. Another conference? Susie. Conference. Her mommy doesn't like conferences. <laughs> and then they, they're teenagers, and there's a conference. And they don't want to go to a conference. Because a, a seed was sown, and it blossomed. Don't you think this could happen? So we have to pay attention to 
our attitude, our spirit. Even we say the proper thing, but with the wrong spirit sometimes. We talk like this both to our spouses and to our children. We don't have to say that way. So, anyway, the point is, be a God man. Be a God man at home. Which really just means we try our best to live by our spirit. That's really what that means. And so we need the proper feeding of our spirit to make our spirit our strongest part. For that, we'll, we'll cover that tomorrow morning. Concerning the household, Brother Nee has a marvelous um, lesson. It is now in, in um, the book, The Collected Works of Watchman Nee, Messages for Building Up New Believers, in the third volume. That volume, in that volume, I think he talks about uh, courtship, marriage, parenthood or parenting, um, recreation, things like this, friendship, all these kinds of things. And in the chapter on parenting, uh, which is, which is uh, some excerpts of that appear in this book, Raising Up the Next Generation, um, chapter 8. Th- th- this lesson is chapter 6, but in chapter 8 of that book, lesson 8 of that book, he talks about building up an atmosphere of love in every family. An atmosphere of love. And this burdens me very much just being here these few days because in seeing so many little children, so many young children, I, I, I would like to urge you, get into that chapter and try your best to apply what's there. And uh, Brother Nee's encouragement in that chapter is the atmosphere in our family should be an atmosphere of love. It should not be the atmosphere of a courtroom so that when a child does something wrong and they have to come home and admit something, it's not, they don't have the feeling that they're going before a judge. But many children have that kind of feeling. And it should be, he says, it should be that when the children, something good happens to them, the first person they think of telling is you, parents. And if something bad happens, the first person they think of telling is you. But you know what? When they're that little, they do that. When they're that little, the first thing is, mommy, 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 the first thing. When? Do they lose that? Hard to say. But sooner or later, as they grow up, and of course, all children, they need some sense of independence. They need maturity. But there's something that we can foster that they don't lose that. And I would say, for that, there's another publication I would uh, recommend to you. And it's actually something for the young people's service but I found very valuable for parents. And it's a, just a booklet, golden booklet, entitled How to Lead the Young People. How to Lead the Young People. We have this in all the languages. 
And there, Brother Lee gives six principles of how to reach young people. I'm not going to get into all of them. I just want to highlight a few. But the first one is this. Show interest. Show interest. And I think that here, parents miss the mark after a certain time. You know, when you, when you have a little child and they're doing something, very often we go, what are you doing? Because we can't figure out what they're doing. They're playing with, you know, their make-believe. You go, what are you doing? I have a granddaughter. She's two and two months. And she bakes crackers. It's usually crackers. But every now and then it's not crackers. It's, you gotta ask. What are you doing? She's baking. Oh. Where's the oven? Over here. Oh, it's under the couch, you know. So what are you making? Crackers. I don't know. She got this thing with crackers. Crackers? Oh, so she puts it in. So what are you doing now? What, what do we do now? She goes, we wait. We wait. Yeah, right? She does a little sign language. So she goes, Papa. We wait. We wait. Oh. So is it is it ready now? Yeah. Oh, can we get it? Yeah. Oh, we're going to eat it? Yeah. So, um, 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 um. so you know, you, you get into it then. But she's two. Okay. When she's 12, that's not going to work. <laughs> you got to think of some other way. But actually... What really we need to do is keep at it when she's three, when she's four, when she's five, and grow with her. Grow with her. And if that means sitting on the floor, whether, um, you know, it's easy now because a lot of the things on the floor. So you get down. You have to get to their level. But when they're 12 and 13, there's some things that, we just are not interested in what those things. You have to pretend. <laughs> you have to pretend. Because that's what a godman does. No, I have I'll show you Bib, open your Bible. I'll show you. Luke Luke twenty four. I'll show you. I have my biblical backing. Luke 24. Do you know this story? The two brothers go into Emmaus. I think it starts at what 13. The two they're going to they're going down to Emmaus same day. You know that was the day of resurrection, and they don't believe that Jesus resurrected. I mean, they're, not that they don't believe, but they're confused. 14. They were talking to each other concerning all these things which had occurred. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. That shows when you go to people, don't act like Jesus. Don't, don't, I'm coming to shepherd you. Just be a human being. Come alongside. And he said to them, what are these words which you are, I told you last night, when God asks a question in the Bible, he never asks 
a question to which he does not already know the answer. So here is Jesus in resurrection asking a question. He's pretending. And he said to them, What are these words which you are exchanging with one another while you are on the way? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them said, Cleopas by name, and answered to him, Listen to this, and check the attitude. Do you alone dwell as a stranger in Jerusalem and not know the things which have taken place? I mean, where have you been? Where'd you come from? 19. Go ahead. And he said to them, uh, What things? What things? Does he not know what things? He's pretending. For their sake, he's actually trying to gain their hearts. What things? And they said to him the things concerning Jesus. <laughs> he's right there. Jesus, the Nazarene, who was prophet, powerful, so on. And how the chief priest... And, uh, but anyway, then it goes on and on uh, to... Where, where does he start? 25. And he said to them, Oh, foolish and slow of heart to believe. And then he's beginning from Moses and all the prophets, 27. He, he started sharing with them. Later, when they're in the house, they say, We're not our... After he reveals himself... We're not our hearts burning within us. That's what you want. You want to be incognito, not realize, not, they don't realize they're talking to a God man. And you enter into their situation and their hearts are burning. And they don't want you to leave. Okay, 28. This is really the, the, the one. And they drew near to the village where they were going and he acted as though he would go further. He acted. He, oh, okay. Oh, you're going. Okay. Yeah, I'm going this way. Oh, no, no, please stay with us. No. No, no, that's okay. I don't want to impose. Please. Well, okay. Maybe for a little bit. Don't you think it was something like this? For their sake. That was kneeling down with the little boy. That's what that was. That's what a God-man does. That's what a God-man parent does. Then they go in the house, and of course he reveals. Then they run to Jerusalem. Because that night in Jerusalem, he's, he appears to them. Then, then you jump to John 20. And the story picks up. And that's the way Jesus meets people, shepherds people. Then John 21 is another. You know John 21? They go fishing, seven of them. They're, again, they don't recognize him. How is that? That part is amazing. And he's at the shore. And he calls to them. You don't have any fish to eat, do you? Little, he calls them little children. Little children. You don't have any fish to eat, do you? They go, no? Oh, you can imagine from the, sh- from the boat. <laughs> Who's this guy? He says, oh, put the on the other side. Put the net on the other side. I think they did it just to shut him up. <laughs> Maybe he'll go away. 
Then when they put the, and then the fish, 153. Why that number? They go in, oh, it's Jesus. And then they get to the shore, and he doesn't rebuke anybody. He's, oh, come, I have a fire. Peter needed the fire because he had jumped in the water. And he's warming himself. He fed them. As parents, we learn to make breakfast for them when they should be rebuked. But instead of rebuking, we warm them and we feed them. That's the example. So show interest. That's what Brother Lee's word, show interest. And then Brother Lee says, frequent contact. Of course, that's we have a contact with our children, but he's talking about shepherding young people. Frequent contact. And when you contact them, don't talk about the Bible for at least ten times. That's what he says. Oh, sorry, many saints cannot resist the temptation to either talk about, did you have morning watch? Did you read your Bible today? Can you come to the meeting? You can't, it's like an itch. You have to, I think you can't, you gotta scratch it. Don't talk about the meetings. Just talk about their things. It's not easy. So, in another portion, Brother Lee says, study the young people and their situations and their problems. Study. Study the things they're in. I would say if you have a boy that's into video games, rather than just worrying about the limiting hours, go to the Internet and study the game and learn the names and the levels and shock them at dinner. Really, you would gain his heart a little bit if you would say, so, I I don't know, this part I don't know. But you know, oh, so, what are they? Do you know what they are, some of the names? I can't even make up the names. So, who are you in this game? Are you uh, Excalibur, or are you this? She goes, do you know? Do you know about? Huh? What is it? Oh, that, that one too. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking about some more sophisticated games than that. Sorry. Sorry about that. I'm thinking about Warcraft and all that kind of stuff, brother. Yeah. But you could do that. That's good. That's good. That's good too. But learn the names. You know, I have a niece who's crazy. She's 25, but she got all of them. Except the four that are in like Australia or more. Oh, we got one here? Okay, anyway, sorry. But we, we, they know all the names. But I don't know the names. Learn the names. You get somebody's heart. And I know you're not interested in that. Neither am I. But I'm interested in their heart. So it's worth to do that. It's worth to do that to gain and keep one of our own maybe more important than to preach the gospel and gain someone from outside. For their heart, I would invest the time to do that. Anyway, I think you understand. At the end, we can jump to five and six. We must realize on the back that the Christian life is a life of sowing. Everything we do is some kind of sowing, 
either to the flesh or to the spirit. We illustrated this before. Everything we say to our children and do with them is a seed sown into them. I mentioned last night this little example about the home with the large television. Seed. The purchases we make, saints. The purchases we make. They are seed. Where we go on vacation is a seed. What we do there is a seed. They see how we spend our money. Seed. Everything counts. Everything counts. In the church life, we are constantly sowing tiny seeds. To be careful in our sowing is to be watchful concerning our living. Then this last point, very important. We alluded to this earlier. God's ordained principle is that a father must live a life that is a pattern, an example to this to his children. Nevertheless, we must realize that the way our children turn out ultimately depends on the Lord's mercy. Therefore, we must do our duty to live a proper life as an example to our children. But we should not be discouraged or proud because of how our children turn out. Jacob and Esau were twins, but Romans 9 shows that their destiny depended on God's selection. The best way and the most proper way to be parents is to live as an example to our children and pray for the Lord's mercy. If our living establishes a proper standard, we are not liable if our children behave badly. However, if we do not live as a pattern, our children's bad behavior is our responsibility. In order to be a good pattern, we must love the Lord and his word, deal with sins, hate the self, and learn the lessons of the cross. This will be an example, not only to our children, but also to all the saints. So, saints, uh, those of us that have children, older children, again, I would say, we don't want the enemy to use any of these words in a way of discouragement. And But I will tell you, one thing I have seen is that some children who have turned away when they have their own children, the Lord uses that to bring them home. Because then they realize, my children need the church life. My children need to be rescued from the world. And that has drawn them back. But I would say, I would say this, and maybe this is the last word, and we hope to give you some time. I have seen what I'm going to describe to you too many times where the parents, they love their children so much and they love the Lord so much. But they don't know how to communicate that to their children. So it comes out as being pushy. And you have to go. You have to go to the meeting. Come to the meeting. And, and it doesn't enter their heart. So when such a child turns away from the Lord, it's a package deal and they turn away from their parents. It does not have to be so. If a child decides, I don't want the church life, I don't want to follow the Lord, it shouldn't be that that ends their relationship with us. And our love for them should not be determined by their meeting attendance. They're our children, so we just love them. We just love them. Whether you come, don't come, in a sense, all the same. All the same. I just love you. And I'm with you. And we do things. And 
are we we're not always exuding unconsciously unhappiness with their standard you don't meet the standard you're not in the meetings oh it breaks my heart actually this will not gain them but if we have a good relationship loving relationship the door is always open to come home not just to our home but to the church home i feel it should be should be this way i hope we can learn sorry to say i've seen negative examples in this too many in the past and the hearts of the parents are so much for the children but they don't realize that it, as as they're trying to build up they're tearing down at the same time so i hope i hope we can, we can learn and we can have a positive going on amen maybe we'll stop here we still have about 15 minutes maybe some prayers so little prayers and then we can have some sharing amen
Thank you for your shepherding heart. Yes. Lord, swallow up our heart. Amen. Such shepherding attitude. Amen. Such a shepherding supply. Amen. Shepherd us so you could shepherd through us. Amen. So many others could be shepherded through us. Amen. We offer ourselves to you. Amen. Shepherd us in a finer way. Amen. Shepherd through us in a finer way. Shepherd through us. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. Lord, we don't want to remain the same. Amen. Oh, we want to grow into proper Godmen. Amen. Lord, so you can have a, a way, Lord. Amen. Lord, grow in us. Amen. Amen. Lord, give us a heart for the young people. Amen. 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 So we have a, we have some time now that we could respond. Um, I'm, I'm very, very touched that this wonderful Jesus Christ is in me. Amen. And, and I'm not left to just being a good parent. Right. right. I can contact him. Amen. I can touch the life that he lived on this earth. Amen. I can touch a life that cares for others. Amen. And it's, I'm looking forward to putting these kind of things in Oh, he is helping us to develop such a life that cares for us. That that always has a warm door. That everyone is welcome. Anyways, let's have some time. Who who would like to respond? I would like to respond. Um, I I appreciated what uh, my brother said about Noah and his sons. Because Lemek was there also with Methuselah. Lemek only died five years before the flood. And so these ones are building. Yeah. And all, these three men are building. And the children are born into them. Yeah. And they just do what their parents do. Yeah. You know, uh, when I was a young person, I just did what well, my parents I usually didn't do what I was told. I did, I did what I saw. Yeah. I do what I, they do. And I remember 26 years ago when I met Scott. The first time we met, I uh, I had this realization in my being: whatever, wherever you go, I'm going, and whatever you read, I'm reading. Amen. Because I saw what I wanted, and so I I didn't do what he said, but I did what he did. Yeah. Um, and um, that was very helpful to me. And I don't know if you you were here this morning, but um, brother Ricky. If you listen to his testimony about his mother, his mother was sitting there and he was sitting there. His mother didn't tell him what to do. She just joined in and then he did what his mother did. And he's in the church life. And so this is my experience. Actually, then this is my practice. I don't tell my children what to do. I just tell them what I'm doing because usually they're asleep. At six in the morning, I said, "You know, your father gets up and he calls on the Lord, Amen. and he reads the Word, and I contact God, and then and and then also at dinner, I don't tell them what to do. I just say, Oh, Lord Jesus.' Amen. Actually, what I say is Jesus. Amen. And what do you say? Jesus. Yes. <laughs> and I say Jesus. And you say." I just I just touch the Lord. And then they just repeat what I say. Because I, I appreciate what it says about no pretense. Just being genuine. 
I try not to pretend. I just, I just, I need to touch the Lord. And then they see a man who needs to touch the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We can, we have, like the brother said, we have brother need before us, and we have brother need before, and brother Lee and brother need, and we just, we just do what they do. You know, we we have the brothers before us. We just do what they do, and. I believe the children are the same. They just do what they see. You know, praise the Lord for examples in the church life. Bring it to our home. Amen. Amen. Two, 
be a God man at home. You know, just even taking that five seconds to call on the Lord and just you know check, you know, is this of you? And if it's not, then let it go. You know, and then that fourth. Uh, we went already. Even if we say the right thing, it might not be out of our spirit. So even that, I mean, just going back to that five seconds, like call on the Lord to make sure this is of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. 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 Contacting the Lord, enjoying the Lord, 
staying in a divine dispensing. But yet, what does it really look like when Jesus is living through us? And I just feel like we've been hearing this whole weekend something about the way it really looks when the Lord Jesus lives. Something of a sense, a taste of what his living really looks like. That we would be drawn and attracted to love him more than ever before. Because we realize in ourselves we're helpless. Um, Ricky shared the first night about Peter and Paul using this word remind. I'd like to stir you up by a reminder. And I was considering maybe the the correlating uh, ministry of Brother John, the Apostle John, would be a new commandment I give to you. Maybe. Right? Because it was actually an old commandment. But now it's a new commandment. Something dawning with fresh light. Right? Something uh, infusing fresh life. And that commandment is actually regarding love. And so I just feel like this weekend, I'm getting more of a sense. What does it really look like for the Lord to live through a person as love? It's often against our concept. I'm I'm just realizing how full of concepts I am that frustrate the God, the real God man living. And uh, I just, this just makes me more desperate to contact the Lord. Um, and, And not only to confess and to repent in fellowship with him, but to acknowledge that that living may look very different from what I've expected. I really appreciate that. I just feel like I've gotten a little vista of, wow, what it looks like for this person to really live through us. I just want to know him in this way. I want to know the Lord in this way and caring for my own family and caring for the children of the saints. You know, I just can only say I'm a transgressor in my own family, with the saints, with their children. But I just feel like we're hearing a new commandment. The commandment concerning love is dawning with fresh life. Fresh light. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Oh, I I just want to follow our brother. Um, One thing that I was really touched with is this matter of being... Uh, if you look at these ones, Enoch and Enosh, uh, Enosh, mm-hmm. he was frail. He knew he needed the Lord. You know, he was the one who called on the Lord. And you see the picture with Enoch, you know, possibly after he had his child, he knew, I need the Lord. And he began to walk with God. Um, and to see here... Uh, you know, that who we are, uh, even, you know, as as parents, uh, you know, as ones caring for others, uh, without the Lord, we're just transgressors. <laughs> we just fail. Uh, but praise the Lord. Amen. We have the real God-man parent in us. Amen. And how, you know, tonight I just have this fresh desperateness. Lord. I need you. I don't know how to be a parent without you. I just fail as a parent, you know. And uh, and really, it's not a matter of methods, you know, of how to be. We can read all the self-help help books of how to be a parent. Uh, a lot of those, my, my wife and I can testify, 
a lot of those they don't work. <laughs> but we, we've read a lot. Some you know may, but you know really. Oh, we, we just need to touch the Amen. real God. Yes. Lord, how we need you. Amen. And then when we touch this one, right. really, it's it's allowing him to live through us. Amen. That our children who are under our care, who they're touching is not us. They're, they're not touching Mark, you know. They're touching the real God, man. Amen. Just allowing him to live through us. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord, saints, for what a such a wonderful word. Amen. Such a wonderful reminder. Amen. Oh, touch this one. Amen. Love this one. Amen. Oh, Lord, we love you. Amen. How we need you. Amen. Cause us to call on you more. Amen. Cause us to walk with you. Amen. Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, Lord. But anyway, in, in our own experience, what has impacted you the most? You know, 
as a parent with my family, you know, what do you do? You know, the rule book doesn't work. You know, everything you read about how to raise kids doesn't work. Especially when you have certain special needs kids and all this stuff. Anyway, um, so, but but I've just been amazed at the saints coming in and like being with my son. And, and really, I've been so appreciating my wife because oftentimes she has the intuitive sense that I'm just not getting it. I just don't see it. But then she'll just say something and it's like, wow, yes. <laughs> so praise the Lord, we're members of his body. Amen. And so that dear member is my wife, you know, um, or there's other saints, or there's, you know, um, one's taking care of my son who can just relate to him where he's at, and somehow reach that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, anyway, we're, we we just need a we just need the Lord. Amen. We just need a God man living. We just need Him to just become us. You know, sometimes you, you know you just pray to the Lord. Lord, the only way this is gonna work if you become me and I become you. Yeah, yeah right. Otherwise, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Right. But, but um, as you get older and you see. The human life, and you, you know, get on in years, and you don't know how many years you have, you know, or situations come up where you know, you, you know, a few or something. Um, you just realize, wow, Lord, what is really valuable? What's really important? Anyway, Lord, I'm just that. But anyway, Lord Jesus, Amen. for the sake of your eternal purpose, Amen. we just want to open to you. Amen. And we need you to become us. Amen. We need to become you. Amen. And all of these, these things that you could just be the one flowing out. Amen. That's how we got captured. Amen. You know, that's how it, it wasn't a meeting. It was someone. Right. You know, flowing God in grass, right. and I yeah. never encountered that before. Right. What is this? Right. You know? yeah. And the genuineness and the love and the caring, humanly, that was beyond human. It was a godly human. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, that that will change your life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. One more testimony. Just like to uh, <clears throat> underscore one word that was. Uh, like uh, neon light again tonight, and that was so, 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 with Enosh and with Enoch and with Methuselah, and then of course it affected uh, Noah. They all had a specific kind of sowing, and this sowing was that they loved God. Amen. Amen. And they weren't deterred by anything of their environment. Uh, and too often, uh, we don't realize that what's in our home, Ricky gave the example of the big screen, and uh, the things that we do and the things that we say is a kind of, and the attitude that we have is a kind of sowing that can either lead, and this is our responsibility, lead our children to the Lord or be a deterrent to them coming to the Lord. And so it really was striking that we have to be those and not be condemned if we, you know, if we make a mistake. I really like that example. You know, I, you know, I 
mentioned this example to me before about driving in the car. What about Scott sharing? You know, who shared today? Scott Finney. <laughs> really? <laughs> did, did he, was he long again? <laughs> you know, something like that. Like said, oh, me? That kind of attitude puts in a seed that will blossom three years, five years, ten years down the line that could lead them away from the church life. And our goal is that they would be in the church life. And, and, you know, even that goal is a little bit selfish. I, I have to admit with me, it's a little bit selfish. Uh, I wanted all my kids to love the Lord, be in the Lord's recovery, and be functioning, building members uh, of the body of Christ. It's not like that. But it's okay. I don't live under condemnation. I just begin to sow to the Spirit. Amen. And then let's just see what the Lord will do. Amen. Don't worry. Amen. Sit back, relax, sow to the Spirit, Amen. and see what comes. Amen. I would just say that. Amen. Okay, maybe for time, we'll stop here. I'll just say this. In the, in the, in the fellowship of being this kind of parent, I think tomorrow's meeting yeah. will be a huge help. Yes. What kind of parent we are and what kind of God-man we are depends a lot on our personal Amen. fellowship. Amen. Amen. Right. So tomorrow we'll open up this matter that we can have this kind of personal fellowship with the Lord and develop this fellowship uh, if you're in whatever, I, I know this. I can. I was able to pretend to a certain extent with my children, but eventually I learned something. If I'm really interested in something, that has an impact on my children. That's right. It was easier for me to influence them positively when I was really interested in something. Yeah. Is that right, Penny? Maybe. <laughs> and it, what we exude, what we're enthusiastic about, what we just emanate, that can have a very, very significant impact on all of those around us. So this fellowship tomorrow to me should be very, very special on developing and maintaining a personal kind So let's pray for that meeting. Amen. We'll close the meeting right now. Feel free to linger as long as you want.